Hello and welcome to State of Play. I'm your host, Charles. I'm joined today by Mike and a newcomer to this show, uh, Rob. Rob, before we get going, introduce yourself. So I'm Rob. You, you might not want to know me. Uh, <laughs> so I've been playing games since I remember. Uh, I kind of like to play on all different consoles, PS4, PS3, Wii, Xbox, PC, 3DS. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I'm a big fan of games like Monster Hunter, JRPG to some extent, not as much as I used to be, and I'm a huge fan of Silent Hill. So you can probably tell that my last few weeks have been terrible. Yes, uh, I can also tell probably from what you've said that uh, there's one notable omission from that group, because uh, I know in the past that you've been somewhat of a fan of some Nintendo franchises. Am I correct actually in thinking that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Different person, I just realised. No, I mean, I, I that, that would be crafty, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crafty. It's other a friend. Sorry, I, I, for some stupid reason I got that completely if mixed you, up. Pokemon is one of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Monster Hunter is now one of them, so it's not really, but it basically is. So I would say, I, I play in the 3DS, but I wouldn't say I'm a huge Nintendo fan now. So I kind of gambled on the words we and went, oh, he must be the Nintendo fan. I must clutch, clutch desperately to the only no, Nintendo person. I, I just have one because of that moment in time. I thought I should probably get a Wii and I played a few games on it and I sold most of them so, to Crofty. So do, no. does everyone know who Crofty is? I'm just saying his name casually. So no. Yeah, you probably shouldn't bother to be honest because uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be on here anytime. Okay. Um, but uh, we've again joined by Mike. I think we all know who Mike is yes. by now. Hello, everybody. I'm back from the uh, land of Larry Jitus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how exactly did you catch this laryngitis? Uh, let's keep that to ourselves, shall we? Mm. <laughs> it's more fun in the mystery. Exactly. So uh, before we go any further, I think we should start out the show today on a positive note. I think we've learned our lesson in the last two records of if you're going to be very bileful about something, it's probably best to start out on a lighter note. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about Witchmas. It's Witchmas Day. We are recording, rather stupidly, on the day which The Witcher 3 comes out. So that means two things. It means A, nobody's going to be listening, and B... We all want to go and play it, so we're going to get this over with as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in other words, um, Rob's Monster Hunter has now been officially superseded by a proper Monster Hunter. Now, now. I, I, I wish you'd take that back. Shots have been fired. <laughs> no. <laughs> you play The Witcher 3 and tell me this isn't a better Monster Hunter. I have to first play The Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, so Don't I'm sorry bother. that I'm not joining you on this Witchmas. Uh... And I might be hunted for being uh, for saying that, but I, I will have to play them. Well, my medallion is vibrating in your presence, Rob. I'm not quite sure <laughs> if I uh, if I if, if is there something you're not telling us or there's just too many games. <laughs> there's too many games. Well, I think you you actually mentioned to us earlier that uh, you that, that you've got both the games on Steam already. Um, the problem. I have with Steam is that I now have upwards of 90 games on Steam. Yeah. And I think at least half of these I have never looked at. 
I bought them on a whim during a sale and never actually managed to go any further than that. That's pretty much what people just do nowadays. They just buy games and not play them, which is half well, of my library. So <laughs> I'm looking down here at games which I haven't played out of my uh, library that I've got. I've got The Walking Dead Season 2 stuff and played it. Victoria Revolutions, based off... Uh, it's one of yep. the... Not based off. It's one of the Paradox Interactive kind of core titles. Uh, Tropico, Tropico 2... Um, so total war battles, all sorts of stuff, um, sleeping dogs, etc. So yeah, it's very easy to pick these up in the age of instant access. It's frightening, actually, how much money I have probably spent on games I'm never going to play. Um, well, not not in my lifetime, anyway. <laughs> so I think of the two people in this chat who are particularly interested in The Witcher Three. I know I've managed to play about two hours of actual in-game in game at the moment. Mike, have you had any joy? I haven't played any, but I've been seeing lots of um, live play feeds. Uh, well, I've been on the bus today. so pe- People jumping in quickly to get, whilst the interest is hot, to get some views. Yes. Well, <laughs> unfortunately. It's just, it, there's a lot of stuff in it that appears to be really good. A lot of little things that... Um, that have impressed me already from it. I'm um, just something really, really simple like um, the uh, sun dial on the right hand side of your screen. If you think about it, how many games do you have where you've got a, a dynamic timeline system, uh, which is open world? Well, if you look at any of Bethesda's kind of open yeah, world yeah. But how many uh, of them have? games. They, they don't actually have it in the game. They kind of have it... You have to press select to see it, for example. Yeah, and not, not just that. Exa- that's the exact point. They don't have a, a easy reference time system. So I've been playing a lot of Far Cry 4. Great game. I want to go and do a stealth mission when it's dark. It's dark. I can't look at the time. I go off to do my stealth mission. The sun rises. The only time you can look at your watch is if you go into your house and then going to bed. It's about... Yeah, I think that sounds about as uh, useful as the Apple Watch, then. Yes, pretty pretty much. It it just removes you from the immersion of the game. And I think that just something small from The Witcher 3 that impressed me. Uh, well, what I've seen so far, I, I've managed in the short span of the game unlocking at about 9 o'clock last night. Thanks, GOG. <laughs> uh, I got it slightly early as a result. I've had this slight odyssey of, A, trying to get the thing to work, B, trying to get the thing to stay working. So, starting off, I went out and I upgraded my graphics card for this game. Might have been tweaked by the fact that the graphics card I was buying, the game came free with. So I thought, well, the game comes through with it, surely it's going to work on that graphics card. Uh, Not only that, but NVIDIA released a new driver on their GeForce service, which is entirely optimised, apparently, for the game. So I don't have to do any work whatsoever. It will optimise all my settings absolutely fine. Don't even have to wait for the game to auto-detect. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. So I booted up the game. Uh, it appeared on the it ap- appeared on uh, GeForce, and I thought, oh, great, press optimise. Turn it on. Wow, that looks ugly as hell. <laughs> Looked at it. Okay, resolution's wrong. Okay, uh, textures are wrong. Uh, everything is essentially wrong. The language was wrong at one point. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, I'll just go back and press optimize again. Clearly, it's just because it's the first time it's detected it. Nope. 
It didn't even it didn't even save the changes I'd made, so it, it <laughs> kept everything on maximum low or lowest possible resolution. Every single thing wrong. That's what optimizing so, means nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, optimizing means buying all the equipment so you don't have to do it, and then spending an hour and a half when you first get the game doing it yourself manually. I've had this problem with other games as well. Like I bought, a, it's only a couple of months old, a good gaming PC. Put in Skyrim, everything's on low. Why? <laughs> Why are you detecting it and going, oh, you should shut off all the shaders and put this on low graphics? No. That happened That happened to me when I added in my new graphics card. I think it's because it, it's just gone too far ahead in terms of what it can recognize. Mm. Um, it, it had all sorts of trouble in trying to actually uh, get it to optimize by itself. I, I basically just had to go over and turn everything up to max. Yeah, same here. Because it's, it's, it's nearly five years old now is the game. Yeah, but it's not going to be hard yeah. to optimize. You see, now there's going to be a different um, experience to yours, Charles, with Witcher 3, because I'm going to turn on my PlayStation 4 and I don't have to touch anything. Ah, the beauty of console gaming. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> the beauty of simple minds. <laughs> See, Charles has to find an excuse to belittle us just because we're better than that. Hey, well, I don't have to belittle you because the Xbox One done fucked up again. I don't have an uh, Xbox One. No, that's why, because you're the PlayStation 4. You at least uh, managed to escape that end of the, of the flak. You, you got the console which can actually run it natively at yeah. 1080p. No, that that fable 1080p. Yeah, I mean it's not like I'm running on a 4K TV or anything at the moment. But, um, uh, yeah, you know how Xbox claims to be its competitor. No, it, it can't. It can't do it. It can't get to 1080p. It has a dynamic scale from somewhere in the 800 to 900 region. Let's be honest. PlayStation won the console wars, and you've just got to live with it. Let's be honest, at this point, every single gurgle of kind of like slurry that comes from the mouth of Microsoft regarding Xbox One is just another dip into like the silage at this point. It's not going to get any better for them. Uh, The gaming media is completely against them after their debacle of the release. Um, Almost every single time that technically they've been placed against the PlayStation 4, they haven't been able to stand up against the the hammer blows. So it's, it's not gone well. Um... As to the actual game, I really like it so far. However, I've played it for two hours, so I don't know if you should put any a, any real weight to my words on this particular Generally, matter. from my experience with playing The Witcher, um, this is based on Witcher 2, The Witcher tends to have a very, very rich background story, a very good story. Um, it's got a lot of replayability, so... When you make a decision, the world changes with you. Rather, mm. You can't play the game four or five times and have four or five completely different um, outcomes in the game. It feels like four to five different games. So, fingers crossed, it looks like it, that The Witcher 3 is going to follow on with this. And the- I mean, yeah, the critical <clears throat> buzz has been huge and everyone's kind of been on their knees jockeying for position for this one. Mm-hmm. So, um, I... I- what I've seen so far, it's probably the prettiest game I've ever pro- ever played. And uh, last time that I said that was Dragon Age Inquisition, I kind of looked at it and went, this is, this game is the one which has raised the bar recently. Like, all of the games are going to be compared to this. I think The Witcher 3 has done it again. They've, they've managed to create something that not only graphically looks superior, but in terms of just the world cohesion and how 
you so in for example if you stroll down a street in the witcher it feels like an actual medieval town from the era looking around it looks authentic it sounds authentic uh there's so much kind of fluff dialogue going on in the background that's so well crafted into the um in, in into the setting mm-hmm. And it, the ability to get across a huge amount of just background details just from walking down the street and hearing people talk about their day-to-day lives what I've heard is, is amazing. What I've heard, which is really good as well, is that all the tiny side missions you get to do, rather than having, oh, go away and collect ten barrels of flax or something like that, um, what, your, what your side mission is can result in the world around you changing so a village might get depopulated or a village might get populated Ooh, I like abandoned that. F- sorry i like the i like the sound of that yeah yeah it is sort of um, an abandoned farm might start to produce um food again an abandoned yeah. smithy might start to smith again and then that's somewhere where you can go and buy unique weaponry from so yeah, I've already I've already seen that in the game. Actually, one of the very few, uh, first side quests is literally tracking down uh, someone who was uh, an arsonist um, who set fire to a forge because it was owned by a dwarf. I've seen that in one of the plays. Yeah. So what I think that's where I'm going to kind of leave it uh, today in terms of what I can say about the game. I'll probably have plenty more to chat about in the future. Yeah. To do with it. Next week we'll probably have a few good yeah. hours of it. The last thing I will say is more related to The Witcher Two. Um, Mike, when you played The Witcher 2, yeah. did you start by playing the tutorial? Yes. The arena tutorial? Yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember the sensation of you went through all the tutorial, and it all seemed fine, it made perfect sense, uh, it seemed very, very intuitive, and then when you got to the actual free fighting bit, you immediately got killed? Yes. Yes. It's exactly the same in this one as well. <laughs> I see. Lovely. I... I literally walked from one village to another just to have a look at another side quest. Fell off the side of a ravine onto a beach, uh, which is quite a feat in itself <laughs> in terms of geography. Um, and immediately got killed by a bunch of drowners ah. who were, according to the stats, massively higher level than me. Yes, because apparently the... Uh, I know we said we are going to stop talking about this, but apparently the um, the enemies, all of them, are not going to scale up with your uh, player. So, yeah, so it's kind of throwing up kind of meat, kind of uh, meat shields where you've got to get to a certain point for doing other side quests yeah. to to be get to a point where so, you can do it, which is a good way of encouraging you to actually do the side quests. Yeah. Uh, so to put this to bed, it looks like it's just as hard, just as large in scale, and has just the level of graphical polish that you would expect from a Witcher sequel. Precisely. Moving on from happy uh, <laughs> kind of Storyville. <laughs> Wonderful Relationsville to Konami. <laughs> oh, God. I know we've spoken about Konami at length in the last episode, and I don't want to devote this entire episode just to Konami again. <laughs> you probably um, could, though. Uh... <laughs> I could, that's the problem. So, I what I really wanted about this episode was to have Rob's input on this, because we... We're talking as people who may have played Konami games in the past, may be familiar with some of the earlier Silent Hill titles. We're not kind of the level of fan that you are. Mm-hmm. We we haven't been involved in fan sites, for example. Yeah. So, what is your opinion on this ongoing kind of PT debacle, which just never seems to come to any definitive stop at the I moment? I mean, I could t- say two words. One of them would be a swearing word. Well, we are rated... Uh, Which would be, fuck Konami, would be how I would summarise it. Uh, I'm just... Well, we're rated... <laughs> thankful for you, we're rated fuck Konami. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing, I'm just I'm just heartbroken 
Um, but at the same time, I can kind of understand some of the shit they've been coming out with the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge Silent Hill fan. Like I said, I have a, I have a website and everything like that. And the fact that they're actually taking the game off the PlayStation Store, you know, that people are selling PS4s on eBay for ridiculous prices of this mm-hmm. game, shows that, you know, this game has a lot of track and people want to play it. And it truly did look like a new, authentic Silent Hill. I mean, we've been having subpar Silent Hills for like nearly 10 years now. Uh, and it looked like this is it, this is it. And then they just took it away. They just took it away. And everyone was I mean, upset uh, about it, which is obvious. I, I mean, I remember uh, Silent Hill Origins was kind of the one which tainted the well for me. Um, oh, which one was it? The the fifth one, which was not uh, developed by Konami themselves. Um, but I, I very much enjoyed one through four. So I can't really make any comment on the... Uh, the sequels mm-hmm. beyond that point of the Western developed ones, I must admit. Well, I mean, back in the day, Silent Hill 4 was the game that everybody hated in the Silent Hill fandom. If you were involved in the Silent Hill fandom back in the day, Silent Hill 4 was like, oh god, this is terrible because it would deviate a little bit from the original formula. Uh, I mean, I I really like Silent Hill 4. I've always liked Silent Hill 4. And I mean, I don't mind Origins to some extent, but for me, it all turned to just tripe with Silent Hill Homecoming. Which just. That's probably the popular opinion. Yeah, that's a very popular opinion. They just take the film and just put it in the game, and uh, it's just horrible. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they build a bit of recognition back with Downpour, which was okay, but they've never made a good Silent Hill game since 2004. And they had mm. it, and they just got rid of it. Uh, it's interesting because the, the one which I, of the original four, don't like as much as Silent Hill 3. To be honest, really, or Silent Hill One, even if I had to come down, I'm very much a fan of Silent Hill Two because I, I just feel that the plot in Silent Hill One, whilst whilst the atmosphere and everything is is authentically Silent mm-hmm. Hill, I, I'm not as big a fan of the kind of kind of plot style that that has for One and Three, compared with the the more personal based uh, legacy of the second game. Yeah, Silent Hill Two for me was it was more about exploring the characters' psyches, really, uh, and I think that was really well done. And the characters themselves felt alive, and it was truly it was truly depressing at some points. Where Silent Hill One and Three were more exploring the mythology of the town, stuff like that, and less about the characters. So, I mean, I do like Silent Hill One and Three. Don't get me wrong, but Silent Hill Two is definitely just it just is a shining beacon above every single Silent Hill game ever released. So, I mean, Silent Hill One and Three, I felt. Because uh, you very much had a, a goal in it, of, there was kind of a, a big thing at the end to try and get to and beat. Mm-hmm. Whereas the second game never really had that. It was more just growing dread of you moving towards this one location where you may find the resolution to the mystery, essentially, and just kind of it growing and growing and growing as you get there, and it gets more. You get more and more the feeling that you don't actually want to know what it is no. that happened. Um, so it's it, it it's very much a case of. Yes, I liked uh, I liked one and three for what they were. I liked two. Uh, I didn't play four as much, but I liked what I remember of it. Um, so we've had a little bit extra news on top of the cancellation that we heard about last yep. week. Uh, apparently, Guillermo del Toro, who was one of the first people to confirm essentially that it wasn't going to happen anymore, has since come forward and said that he, it, basically he has no idea what Konami were up to. With that one. I think, to be quite honest, this isn't just a Konami thing. This is a Japanese gaming company thing. I mean, they are very different in how they, you know, perceive and uh, publicize their things to the West, and it's just very strange what they do. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that he doesn't understand why they've cancelled it. 
it's just it's just Konami being Konami. I think that's going to be a thing now. Yes. I think Konami's uh, recent words on moving into kind of the mobile gaming yeah. industry and yeah. focusing more on the, the gambling side of their uh, of their industry, they I, I think that the the motives that may they have may be quite indecipherable from uh, someone working on the creative project. Yeah, I can't understand why they removed it. Though. I mean, as somebody who's never played a Silent Hill game and had no intention of playing it. I can't understand a game that seems to be popular and would make money. What is the reason that it was pulled out? I mean, you could. I mean, a lot of people say it's because Hideo Kojima is not on the project, but I, I mean, it, it takes more than one person to make a game. So mm. it's probably down to the fact that survival horror, even though it's it's popular, it's still kind of a niche market, and I think it would be very risky for them without that backing of Hideo Kojima, really. To sort of market that to the audience, uh, that's. I mean, I can see them taking the gamble with PT, for example, mm-hmm. just putting out to see what sort of response they got. But from the scale of the response, I, I honestly don't think that as much of the response was from Hideo Kojima or Guillermo del Toro or the actor from The Walking Dead they had. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that the fact that it looks like a new take on a, a franchise that many people love and still hold dear. I think that was what was pulling people in, rather than these big Metal Gear. Oh and, no, that that's uh, that's that, that that I completely agree with that. But from someone like Konami, who have a high, a very high level view on things, you know, they they think of it as these are the attractors, when really it's the actual product. They they don't understand how how big of an audience that they have who really just want to play these games. I mean, people create fan sites, and you know, there's a huge community for Silent Hill, and they just they just don't seem to realize it. To be quite frank. I mean the. Uh, sorry, I'm slightly lost for words there. Um, <laughs> you have the, moved us, Rob, beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> yes, uh, it just so so uh, accurately sum up to what I was going to say. I was kind of left with nothing at the end of that. <laughs> but I think I think they there's a couple of things. I think they underestimate the effect of nostalgia uh-huh, yeah. to some extent. That that is a very powerful motivator in a sort of market. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that their communication with the American side of things. As we've seen with many other companies, a particular event of being Nintendo, um, is is just designed and set up in a way that's going to shoot them at the foot in every single turn. I think this kind of goes back to my original point of just Japanese gaming companies in general. Just they seem to be in a different world, uh, and they Mm. just don't seem to resonate really with the West as much as they should do, which is a shame because some of my favourite games that I grew up with were developed by Japanese developers, and now. You know, it, it's shifting to the Western development team because the Japanese just can't deliver anymore, and it makes mm. me sad. <laughs> but some of them have uh, some of them have terrible ways of going about things, and some of them have strangely mixed ways of going about things. I mean, Square Enix is probably the ultimate mixed uh, yeah. response person. I mean, you look at what they what Final Fantasy has turned into in recent years, and then you compare it with other series they own, like Tomb Raider and uh, Deus Ex, for example, which are getting crit- critical buzz at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it, it's they're very bipolar about it, and then you have obviously your Capcoms, for example. They're, they're always going to. There always seems to be a big disconnect from having two centers to really work with. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Square Enix is definitely on board of one of those companies that have lost touch a little bit over the past few years. Capcom, though, I, you know they've they've starting to learn from their mistakes. To be quite honest, with Revelations and stuff like that, Resident Evil Revelations. It was about time, quite. It frankly. was about uh, time. <laughs> I mean, we all saw Resident Evil 6. We all saw oh, what they decided to do with Marvel versus Capcom. We all saw what happened with Mega Man. Yeah. So it's it, it's very strange. Um, 
quick aside, as we are discussing Konami, yeah. um, Konami done something else stupid. They just did it a while before this. Uh, so the actual director behind uh, many of the Castlevania games in recent years, going going back to kind of Symphony of the Night on PlayStation One, and many of the uh, the DS uh, 3DS games that have come mm-hmm. out in the uh, in recent years, uh, left Konami a short while ago because uh, Konami had put him on. I think it was dating sims or something. Why would to, you, uh, Why would you do that? Why would you put such a high profile person on a game like that? I think it's just because of money reasons, quite frankly. Well, they seem to be making a lot of money for those. It's very yeah, strange. well, yeah. Or maybe someone didn't like them. <laughs> Possibly. I don't think they. I don't think they realise though that someone is not going to stay in a position because money if they're a creatively motivated type. No. He he realised he has a big name and he likes doing a very specific type of game that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he obviously went elsewhere and he's since started a Kickstarter, uh, which I think. Was well, mildly successful, make back... wasn't it, Charles? Yeah, mildly uh, successful. He's putting it bluntly, putting it lightly. Sorry. I'm just at the, <laughs> the, uh, the latest figures for that, but I think it was another one of these ukulele-style kickstarters where it happened in about. Oh, it 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 managed to go f- uh, through to its actual target in minutes, if not hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, hours, if not minutes. Get that right way around. Um, so. I think the actual game is called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It asked for 500,000. Uh, it's got 24 days left to go. Conservative guesses as to where it might be? Well, I know how much it is at, so I can... Okay. Uh, I, I haven't checked, but 5 million? Or is that pushing it? Is that too much? Okay, that is pushing, that is pushing it, it a bit much. <laughs> 2 million? Uh, it's it's 2.5 million. There we go, 2.5 million. But with 24 days to go, it could go even higher. Yeah. Uh, we've seen many games get higher than this uh, before, so... Um, it's really showing that kind of these creators, if they have a big name and they're not satisfied with these big companies, they they do have an alternative out there now. Yeah, and I think I think these big companies should be start to get worried about it because gamers aren't stupid, um, and they will start moving away from the main publishers to these smaller, smaller Kickstarter type games if they're creative. You know, their their nostalgic loves of the gaming industry are creating new games. Uh, we might even see Hideo Kojima kickstarting the spiritual successes of Metal Gear Solid in the next five years. Who knows? Uh, yeah, you see him coming out with something like Battle Gear Bobby. <laughs> Battle Gear yeah. Bob. <laughs> to, steal, to steal a Yahtzee Crowshot joke. Uh, <laughs> or we could see Quiet Hillock in a few days. Yes. Quiet Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> um, or other terrible titles yeah. that I made up on the spot. Um, so where do we go from that? I mean, Konami of been pulling Konami's a lot. Um, we've spoken briefly about how Capcom's done. Uh, we also touched on Square Enix and various other companies. So uh, we're kind of about a month out from the uh, the annual kind of self-masturbatory fest that is in oh, yes. <laughs> Doritos and Mountain Dew. Yes. Um, so let, let's be positive this time. Uh, <laughs> let's not yeah. go in immediately and think it's all going to just be utterly insufferable with occasional glimpses of sunlight like it inevitably actually is going to. Let's instead think about what major titles are going to probably be at E3. What what do we hope for on a personal level? Mm-hmm. What franchises kind of tickle our fancy? Well, I'm looking forward to uh, like, God, I've forgotten the name again. Mass Effect 4, that's the one. <laughs> Mass Effect 4. So we spoke briefly about, well not, we spoke reasonably long yeah. about Mass Effect 4, some recent plot leaks a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we may be seeing some kind of playable uh, trailer, or at least a CGI trailer, if we're lucky. Hopefully. Next month. 
Hopefully. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. The problem being that uh, we kind of saw that they were willing to put up a trailer last time when they obviously had absolutely nothing. Uh, the last one where they literally just showed character concept art yeah. pieces. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them to do the same if they were still in the same situation. Now, Hopefully it's been not. a year, so I'd be surprised if we were stuck in that situation, yeah, but still. Well, have, have they mentioned a release date yet or a potential release date? I don't think they so. They have, have not. They haven't confirmed anything. Um, I think that's probably the best way to do it at the moment. Yeah. If they if they just take the time that they need on this particular yeah. one, because they're going to need something stellar to win back the lost fan base from the last one. Um, so, Rob, what are you in particular looking out for next month? Well, I know what's there that I'm looking out for. So I'm I'm really sort of wanting to see a bit more of No Man's Sky. Uh, oh yeah, that game has always intrigued me ever since I saw first saw it. Uh, but I'm a bit sceptical about it. It seems to be promising a lot, and, you know, in this day of gaming, you have to be sceptical about that sort of thing. I still don't understand what the point of it is. It's just an exploration game, really, and I think if you like that sort of stuff, just to sort of get lost in a world and immerse yourself, you know? So before we go any further, I I do not have a great deal of knowledge about the game. Could you give me a quick overview of what what it's kind of... Its setting and uh, genre we're thinking we're talking about here. Essentially, it's a it's a it's a it's a space exploration game, and you just go around and you you can explore planets and you can actually discover planets and stuff and actually give them names. And apparently, it's going to be a huge, vast world which is going to be endless, which is why I'm skeptical about the whole thing. Well, basically, Charles, you can um, it, the, the exploration of the planets will be not just on the outside. It's not just flying planet to planet. You can actually land on them. Yep. And each planet will have its own flora and fauna. Um, yeah. But so it's it's kind of going beyond the level of a recent game we saw, uh, which was Kickstarted, and that was very much a kind of a galactic uh, exploration, trading, fighting game, which was uh, Elite Dangerous. Mm-hmm. But but this is just exploration. This See, is this yeah. This is why I can't really get about the game. I mean, it's <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not my thing, but I don't particularly find running around on a console finding planets interesting i can understand your point i think it's it's one of those things that you have to be you have to enjoy that sort of thing I don't know, essentially just... you you are trying to make your own you're just running around planets to put it to put it bluntly uh, but we don't know that there is there is an element i believe there are fight, there is space fights to it you can i think there's going to be pvp and all that jazz but you know, who knows? Who knows where it's going to go? But it's definitely one of the games that has piqued my interest ever since it was announced quite a few years mm-hmm. ago. So, but as it is, it's sort of like I, meh. <laughs> it's a wait and see. We'll put definitely that one. A wait and see. Um, I think I I'm going to tackle a couple of the big name ones which everyone's kind of waiting for and expecting mm-hmm. at this point. I think if this E3 goes past without. At least two or three of these following titles I'm about to say, we're, there's going to be outrage, let's put it that way. <laughs> we talk about gamers being a title, but there's going to be all sorts of backlash. So uh, let's go through some obvious ones. Doom is going to be there. I know that's yep. a fact. Because yep. they have announced that they're going to be showing the trailer, which they originally showed at QuakeCon. Ha- have you seen the seven-second snippet they've, they've released? Yeah, the snippet which showed absolutely nothing yeah. about the game. Showed the which, skeleton kind of the gun. Of, ah. <laughs> that was kind of the point. It's the Godzilla marketing principle of, you know, his his foot is as big as this bus. <laughs> his head is as big as this car. <laughs> You've got to turn up to see it, yeah. is the point. Um, so moving on... Um, some obvious ones which people have been wanting. People have been wanting to follow up, follow up to Dishonored. 
I know a few people who've liked that. I yeah. personally have it in my Steam library again and have never played it. It's something I want to play, but I haven't. I don't. I don't. I haven't played it either. So we're all in the same boat by the sounds of it. Um, so we all approve, apparently, because we we don't have anything that makes us disapprove. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles X is going to be there. That's going to be a huge release yep. and Nintendo Definitely Wii U exclusive. That I think that that could be a system seller, quite frankly, um, on the scale of kind of a Smash Brothers or Mario Kart that we've been seeing in recent months. Um, we. I'm pretty certain Fallout 4 is going to be there because there's been a very interesting leak that has basically confirmed that Fallout 4 is going to be there. Uh, and if Fallout 4 wasn't there, Bethesda would be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, Bethesda needs to bring some out of the ring at the moment. Uh, they've been a bit quiet, yeah. so yeah, Fallout well, 4 being there. They, <laughs> they've acted as kind of the... They, they produce some stuff like uh, The Evil Within that's got very mixed... Uh, yeah, they, I mean... I play that... I mean, that was a Shinji Mikami game, obviously the original director of Resident Evil, and that, that game is just just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. I, I can't play it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you feel that was a case of the director losing con- creative control over aspects of it, or do you think it was just a poorly realised it, it was just that the story was just too far out there. It just... It, for a survival horror game, it was just... I couldn't connect with it. I was like... I just, if you play it within the first 20 minutes, you would realise where I'm coming from. Um, okay. So. Is this going back to the writing principle 101 of if you set your if you're setting your work within a particular genre or style you are allowed to do, you you essentially should limit yourself to one larger change one large change from the norms of the genre per book you shouldn't change several things at once and it just leaves everyone uncomfortable yeah I think that would be a good way of describing it, to be quite frank mm. it's, uh, it's like in sci-fi uh, one thing can be different and the usual thing which everyone chooses from real life is there should be faster than light travel for example <laughs> um, to give you a predictive example I think um, I think Half-Life 3 is the only big name that has not been confirmed that the rumour mill has been churning out furiously oh Half-Life 3 <laughs> it's, a, it's become a saga yeah. at this point I mean we've all seen the memes the Valve can't count to 3 etc um, the problem I have is that if they do release Half-Life 3 it has to be just the best thing ever the, the expectations mm. for that game are just ridiculous now because they've just left. Not the fact that they've left it, the fact that fans have been pushing for it for, for ages, ages. I sort of gave up to ever see it, to be honest. There's still a lot of devote people out there just, you know, on the rumour mill, like, oh, they've said this, oh, there's going to be Half-Life 3 announcements. and they, they are absolute masters of teasing their fans at this point, like wearing Half-Life 3 shirts and just going, what, Half-Life 3, never heard it's of that? Because they know, they know. They just, they just, mm. they're just using it. They will, they should hopefully announce it one day, probably in another fifty years. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> you can have it for our ninetieth birthday when Gabe uh, is the leader of the entire world. <laughs> all praise, all Gaben. praise, Gaben. <laughs> Um Apart from that, there's a few kind of more uh, slightly, slightly overshadowed titles. Mm-hmm. I have to say. Um, there's kind of Nintendo's going to probably be coming out swinging with the new Star Fox. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, everyone was kind of saying their their counter to this would be Legend of Zelda Wii U, and it doesn't appear that it's going to be, unfortunately. Uh, so, Star Fox. Anyone here a big Star Fox fan? Nope. Uh, not not for a few years. I won't say I'm a huge you... fan. I wouldn't be hyped for it. The Fair last enough. one I played was on uh, the SNES. I remember that. <laughs> That's how long. The last it's one been. I played was on the. 
The last one I played was on the Nintendo 64, so I don't think we're the ideal market for Star Fox, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Uh, there's apparently going to be Kingdom Hearts 3 maybe making an appearance. We'll have to see, uh, which would be welcome given Final Fantasy 15 is not going to be there. Yeah, I never, I never got into Kingdom Hearts, maybe because I've never been a really big Disney fan. Uh, so, I found it a bizarre that that's the two properties you would cross over. That you'd get the usually quite serious universe of uh, of Final Fantasy, and <laughs> slam it together with what is well known for being family friendly and light hearted yeah. Disney. It, it just seemed bizarre. I mean. I'm not even going to get into the aspects of it which seem just blatantly fan servicey of who could win between a fight between X and Y. Um, uh, I, the, the problem I have with getting into Kingdom Hearts at this stage is I feel I could if I tried, mm-hmm. but there are now so many games split across so many platforms and the order in which you're supposed to play them is complete wizardry to me as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. There's been 3DS ones, there's been DS ones, there's been PSP ones, there's been PlayStation 2 ones, there's going to be a PlayStation 4 yep. one now. Yep. So I don't know where the jumping on point is, quite frankly. It's going to keep me out of there completely. So, um, Any other major titles we can think about? I, I'm not going to mention mm. uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Yeah, there's Borderlands 3, which is suggested at E3 this year, which is something I do would you, look forward to. Do you think it's a little soon since the last, uh, last major thing, which was the pre-sequel? Um, it is listed as being a potential... Uh, I don't know. Because a pre-sequel was pre-sequel was really sort of a well, addition of Borderlands Two for all intents and purposes, wasn't it? Were, don't don't talk to me. I haven't played Borderlands wasn't, Two or um, the pre-sequel. Uh, pre-sequel developed by an Australian company. Or yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so it's a that. different developer system completely. <sighs> that's that's what I meant by it. Sorry, it wasn't clear there. Yeah, I mean, they've been putting a lot of videos up, like Borderland 3 needs your help sort of thing, and we might see it in some form. What we're definitely going to see at E3 is probably going to be um, Just Cause 3, which is one of my favourite completely insane games. I think that's going to come out and kind of set... We I talked about earlier about setting bars for graphics. That's probably going to set the bar for scale of a game. Yeah. Just how big that game is going to be in terms of the sandbox you can play I around I think it in. promises to be something like 300 square miles or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's multi-platform as well, isn't it? It's Xbox One, PS4, PC. Yeah. It's the sort of game I would play on PC, to be honest, because it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's just a silly game, really. It's the sort of game where you come in after a long day at work and you want to kill your colleagues, so you play <laughs> Just Cause 3 and ride a Boeing 747 on its back and just drive it into the sea or something. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I don't work with you. That's <laughs> <laughs> you, you have not met the people he's had to work with. Like Chris, exactly. for one. Exactly. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I... I personally have my own pet one, which I want to see. I would want to see uh, a, a gameplay trailer, if possible, of Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I think that if if it doesn't turn up, I might very well have to fly uh, to J- Japan and just stab Fukushima in the throat. <laughs> but uh, well, the, that probably says how passionate about Deus Ex I am. Well, the power station chat. No. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's a joke. <laughs> Uh, loading joke not found. I mean, the, one of one of the games I'm uh, hyped for the most is P- Persona Five. You ever heard of that? It's a little 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. I was waiting for Persona <laughs> to turn up. It's one of those little JRPGs that's dominating JRPG market at the moment. It's probably the, the any big JRPG fan would say that one of their favourite games at the moment. So. Oh yeah, all these all these JRPG fans that we can have around us. Just just listen to the roar. <laughs> I am I am to wait, the cries of hope wait, and despair. Wait for it. Wait for it. Roar. Can you hear them? <laughs> I don't like this attitude you got right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, Rob, um, I've always kind of been somewhat... Uh, well, I've always been kind of had this outside interest in the Persona series of games, and I've always heard unanimously good things about mm-hmm. them from people who have actually played uh-huh. them. Uh, and I've never been quite sure whether each time a new one comes out where I should jump on then or if I should go back to the earlier iterations in the series and start trying then to get into it and slowly build Well, what up. I would advise is don't play Persona 1. Uh, because it's it doesn't feel like the rest of the games. I mean, you can jump back on two, three, and three and four, but they're they're very much similar to the sort of Final Fantasy games where they can be just standalone titles. So you could go and play three and not have to worry about any lore. There is some crossover between them, but nothing major plot related. So it's definitely the sort of game that I would advise people play. It can be a little bit off-putting because you're playing as essentially school kids, uh, but the actual character-driven you know, the, the really strong, diverse characters and the actual battle mechanics themselves really pull me towards the sort of Persona franchise and away from the sort of traditional big hitters like Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, that sort of thing. So, mm. Well, Persona, I would argue, is uh, maybe not in the West, but is a big hitter in Japan. Oh, yeah, now. it's a big hitter in Japan. I mean, they have they have concerts and stuff in Japan for Persona. It's, it's a really big game. Uh, and it's starting to sort of resonate a little bit across the sort of JRPG community in the West at the moment as well now. Those who are dis- disenfranchised from, say, Square Enix and what they've been doing for the past 10 yeah, years. Yeah, kind of, kind of alienating from the Western trend of AAA yeah. gaming. So... I think uh, one thing I can always usually say if I do buy kind of a JRPG or anything like that is, is you do at least know you're going to get some get value for money. Yeah. It, it, it hinges on whether you like the product, but if you like the product, the value is indisputably there. There's usually every JRPG I seem to pick up has uh, somewhere in the region to 50 to 200 hours worth of gameplay. And most of that is just pure story content. Uh, and if you don't take into yes, account exactly. side quests and that, you could be looking up to about 100 hours depending on how long you take into it. So... They're definitely the sort of games you can't just take home, you know, rent for like a weekend and finish it. It's not going to happen. You're going to need at least a week to play it. I might give it a try because I kind of, I kind of fell out with JRPGs around Final Fantasy X-2. Um, not because of the game itself, although I have some comments on the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the I kind of fell out of love with them for the simple reason of uh, it, it was mostly because of uh, the. the creative team changing behind Final Fantasy and the very obvious change in direction of what the titles yeah. were trying to do. But I, I also at the time kind of lost uh, lost the endless time that I had uh, after school to just play these games mm-hmm. for hours on end uh, that I have now. Nowadays I'm juggling so many open world uh, 100 to 200 hour titles that it's getting difficult to keep up. So I'm, I'm quite hoping that if I did try this, it might get me back into uh, the more modern style of JRPG. No, I mean, I would definitely advise you to. The only problem is you have to get it on the console. That is a problem, <laughs> but if I, am I correct in thinking that Persona 2 is on PlayStation 2? Uh, Persona 2 is on the PS1. The original Persona PS1. 2. You can okay. get it on the PlayStation Portable and uh, PS3 as uh, PSN store games. 
Okay. Uh, Persona 3, what platform Persona is Persona 3 on? is PlayStation 2, uh, and it's also downloadable on the PSN stuff, PS3. See, the great joy of being a member of that elite category of gamers <laughs> who use PCs <laughs> is that we have something called emulators. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't even have to pay for these games <laughs> if I didn't want to at this stage because I have a PlayStation 1 emulator, I have a PlayStation 2 emulator. Mm-hmm. They both work absolutely fine. So I could give them a try on that someday. Well, the, um, the, the definitive edition of Persona 2 would probably be the re-release on the PlayStation Portable uh, because it's just they just they, they pretty much just took the game, just knocked it up, made it look better, just improved it a little bit. So if you want to start on Persona 2, then try and get the PSP ROM. Don't okay, don't I'll try that. PSP at home, by the kicking way. around. Yeah, it's kind of illegal, ish. <laughs> <laughs> it's technically not illegal if you own a copy. If you, of the if game, you own a copy of the game, but quite attitude. clearly, I'm assuming you probably don't own a copy of the game. Uh, I might do by the time, <laughs> so we shall, we shall see. see. Let's do it that way. Disclaimer: Everything we do at State of Play is completely legal and in power with the law. We do not do anything illegal here. We repeat, we do not do anything illegal here. (laughs) (laughs) I think one thing which a lot of people are going to be uh, kind of hoping is going to turn up at E3 is going to be the latest iteration in the Uncharted series. Yes, Uncharted 4. And in time with that, there's the, um, well, the hint that they might be releasing Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 for PlayStation 4 as well. Whether it's as a bundle or a standalone, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Rumours are sort of 50-50 on that. Well, my general thoughts on Uncharted are I'm not going to say anything about the gameplay because the gameplay is solid. I'm not going to say anything about the graphics or anything like that. The crumbling... The point where everything crumbles for me for Uncharted is the main character, yeah. who I find utterly reprehensible on almost every he's, single he's, level. He's, 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 he's annoying. <laughs> he's Indiana Jones with no nobility yeah. to him, essentially. Yeah. He's just a rich douchebag who uh, is getting all these items. He doesn't even want to put them in a museum or anything. He's purely doing it just out of self-interest. Uh, he's killing people to get this. He, he's thoroughly dislikable all around. Yeah. Pretty much. And I, I'm amazed at the level of people... Uh, fair enough, if people don't care about the character and they just want the gameplay style, mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. But I just find it astounding that that studio has produced that character and at they've, 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 the same time they've produced like, uh, The Last of Us. <laughs> if, if if the last of us the silky tones there, if the last of us two was which is never going to happen because the thing about the last of us it's so good because it, it doesn't need a sequel um if the last of us two was there i would cry probably i would probably cry i think many of us would find that last of two last of us two a is kind of missing the point yeah I, and, that's what i'm getting at and b would it. diminish the original by its existence i'd still cry a little uh <laughs> just a little bit but I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, the 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 live action version of um of the Last of Us with the actual voice actors. It's kind of cringeworthy, but it may it was it's actually quite good. Should probably check it out. I it's one of those properties which is has the kind of nebulous uh, film adaption attached to it at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and we've got another one of those to talk about in a minute. But I find that it's one of those films that if been made, I don't know, eight years ago, you'd have had a good, you could have easily cast your leading actress for it mm-hmm. and i think which which is probably going to be probably would have been ellen page yeah 
given that the original character design was based on her and they were essentially told change it for legal yeah, reasons. Yeah, I remember the whole controversy surrounding that. Um, and it's just a shame that they never uh, that the, the property turned up too late for her to be the appropriate stage for it. Um, I, I obviously don't want an adaptation because I think there has been approximately one okay, maybe okay, sort of, no it was bad, <laughs> uh, film adaptation of a video game. And that was 20 years ago, uh, which was uh, the original Mortal Kombat film. Oh, God. Oh, wow. We'll mention that one. It's it's the only one which I felt stayed true to its source material in any sort of conceivable or obvious way. And I'm not going to debate whether it's good or not, because a lot of people find it good. I, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't I can't think of many game adaptations that are worth, worth spending even a minute of your time you mean on. you mean you're not a fan of Uwe Boll, Charles? He's fantastic <laughs> oh, cinematographic experience. Yeah, yeah that fucker's been on <laughs> I, Kickstarter I think, himself I think, recently. I think I, I, I have something very controversial here to say. I kind of I, I like the Resident, the two first two Resident Evil films. <laughs> oh, thank God! I thought you were going to say you liked Silent Hill. Oh, film. the Silent Hill. The first one wasn't that bad when you compare it to the second one. Hey, let's recast Harry Mason as a woman because men can't feel any sort of paternal feelings for their offspring. <laughs> At least Sean I... Bean was in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing nothing for the entire film. I mean, well, I... uh, if there's one solace we can take from that franchise is that at least it gave us Silent Hill Revelations 3D. <laughs> <laughs> the rage is over. That, that film wasn't a bad ad- adaptation of Silent Hill. It was just a bad film. It's just terrible. That's quite overbull, what you expect. No, no, that's Alone in the Dark. and It might as well have been by Uwe Boll. It was that terrible, you wouldn't have noticed. Well, Uwe Boll once wrote a film that had the dialogue Let, let us do the humpity bumpity <laughs> in it. <laughs> so... Oh, that, that fucker ruined the... That, oh, I can't remember the name now, it's been so long. Far Cry, he ruined the Far Cry film. No, the the, the one with the vampires and Blood oh, Rain. Blood Rain. Blood Rain. Oh come on, Blood Rain was no high art form before <laughs> that. But it the the fran- let's put it this way: the film franchise has outlived the video game franchise, and it's made by Uwe Boll. Okay, fair enough. It wasn't spectacular, but I like vampires, and I sat down to watch a vampire film because I thought, oh, the game isn't that good, but the storyline can be improved on. <laughs> yeah, and look at all these great actors like Ben Kingsley and uh, yeah. Ben Kingsley. Uh, and then they chopped off someone's head, and it looked like someone turned on a tap. I... Should uh, you should watch Twilight? I heard that's a pretty good vampire film, Mike. <laughs> Rob, it's clearly the most faithful uh, <laughs> adaptation of the original concept that I've ever seen. You can take your Twilight and you can <laughs> shove it up your ass. Um, Come on, it's the best comedy film that I've seen in I think my years. favourite vampire film is um, John Carpenter's Vampires. you ever seen that? Uh, I've seen a lot of John Car- Carpenter's films. I've, the most recent I watched was In the Mouth of Madness, oh, okay. which is excellent. Absolutely excellent. We're deviating a little bit from the games. Is it Prince of Darkness that you're thinking of, uh, which he made as well? No, no, he means John Carpenter. He's actually called John Carpenter's Vampires. That's that's oh, I didn't that's actually the title of the film. Uh, it's actually it's actually pretty good as a yeah, vampire film. Clive Barker presents. No, um, <laughs> sorry, I just just had flashbacks of someone else who likes to put their name in front of things. Um, so moving back to the game topic, yeah. um, we it's a good thing that we're on film topics because uh, we 
were lucky enough to start recording just after leaked shots of one film which has been in development hell for the better part of a decade now. It was a, mm-hmm. it was announced only a few years after the game it was based on yeah. came out, which is the World of Warcraft movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Who is anyone here have a vested interest in the Warcraft yeah. universe? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I loved all the games until World of Warcraft. I, I didn't mind. I, I don't mind World of Warcraft. It's all right. Well, the stingy bastard and he doesn't want to keep on paying money for a game. <laughs> it's not necessarily that for me. It's more a case of I'm an antisocial twat. Yeah, true. Other people being in my game is morally repugnant to me. And the fact it has to be randomers as well sometimes. You get people going, it, kill the noob, kill it, the it's, noob. It's one of those games that is, is a lot better You know, when you have friends essentially playing it. Yeah, um, when you have friends who play the same yeah. game. This, this comes back to the argument that I had with Chris about Borderlands being I don't have any friends who play the same yeah. game. Uh, so I, I would have struggled. I struggled a bit. I still leveled like through to like the top tier stuff just because I really enjoy the world and environment mm-hmm. and just yeah. to look at some of the lore stuff involved. Um, I mean, I enjoyed Warcraft 3 a huge amount. Yeah. Uh, I played the first two games. I played the Dark Portal, etc. The Frozen Throne was really good. Yeah. It's bizarre, though. I, I actually spoke to people among strategy titles. Apparently, it's not well regarded, Warcraft 3. Really? That's... Yeah, I was very surprised that's, at that response. That's funny, because that, like, strategy games are one of my favourite types of games, and I love Warcraft 3. Um, I'm a I big mean, fan of all the Warcraft games, to be quite frank. Yeah, yeah. Warcraft 3 yeah. was special. I mean, even the clicky things, like, it came from behind! <laughs> what you want? I don't, f- I don't think it's an underestimation to say that Warcraft 3 was the first video game that I know of to get mainstream success, which depicted orcs in a positive manner. True, but... That's that's just for me because I have a vested interest in anything involving orcs. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, what do we think so far? We've had two leaks. Both of them are just um, kind of CGI. Yeah, they're uh, just makeups. They're of, just stills, aren't they? Yeah, just stills of what the main character, which is Ogrim, which is based off uh, War Chief Ogrim Doomhammer yeah. from the uh, from the universe. Um, they've confirmed essentially that, as far as I can tell, it's following the plot of the first Warcraft. That's what I I grasp as well. And the orcs brown in that as well. Hmm. I mean, and what I'd like I I hope that they don't adapt it with a bare bones look at it. Look, they don't look at the first two games and go, let's just adapt this. They take into account the expanded universe that World of Warcraft and the comics and the books surrounding it have built in, and the lore that was in the manuals. I I hope they don't kind of go off and do their own thing because an adaptation of kind of the fall of the orcish race on the orcs planet, which was Draenor. Mm-hmm. And their resulting invasion of... Um, I forget what the world in World of Warcraft actually is called. Uh, this exact one. I'm going to call it Earth for the sake of uh, ease because that's... Uh, Azeroth, Azeroth, sorry. Azeroth, that's the one. Um, I think that could be done... Um, I think that's very, very interesting setting and it could be done very, very well uh, depending on who handles it and how. Well, there's, 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 there's so much content to go off. That they, if they fuck it up, what have they done? Uh, there's so much law behind it. Yeah, there's no point in inventing the wheel, is there? No. I mean, they could. You could honestly have something the equivalent of a Marvel Cinematic Universe set in the Warcraft universe. It's that big. Essentially, yeah. Uh, it, it just takes a. It, it's just it's just that problem with directors wanting to leave their mark on things and make it original, which can sometimes you know deviate a lot from the source content. Yeah, yeah. I think it would. Well, the guy that they've actually cast to do it is Duncan Jones, who directed... The only film of note which he directed that I've seen was Moon, which was excellent. 
However, nothing like what a Warcraft film should probably be. <laughs> there's, there's, I haven't seen any film from him that I would say he can do action. Right. And that he can do fantasy as well. Because they're selling this as a cross between, quote, Avatar The Last Airbender, hopefully not the film. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. The anime. Yeah, the, the anime. anime. Oh, okay. The anime is... Well, not the anime. The cartoon. The cartoon, the cartoon sorry. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings, which, fair enough, Lord of the Rings <laughs> is probably the only major fantasy film that wasn't also a fantasy sci-fi mm-hmm. that has been done well, quite frankly. I don't think there's been a huge number that have been done spectacularly True. well. Uh, well, The Hobbit hasn't for a start, so... I enjoyed The Hobbit. I liked it until they started making a different film in the second film that had nothing to do with the original. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this the effects are being done by the same people behind Star Wars, Industrial Light and Magic, so at least the effects are going to look good. I mean, they look good in what we've seen yep. so far. And uh, apparently it's going to open June 10th next year. Hmm. So... Hopefully it goes well. Um, if it goes terrible, I'm not going to be surprised. I will wait to see any quick reviews before I go and see it. And if I do see it, it may even still be a DVD watch. Yeah. I'm not going to be clamouring to see that film, to be quite honest, until I know what it's like. Even though I would mm. say I'm kind of a big Warcraft fan, but, you know, I'm a bit you know, tentative about film adaptations, as yeah. most gamers are nowadays. <laughs> so... Uh, We've been we've been bitten too many times, quite yeah. frankly. We're not we're not going to stick our hand out no. again without good reason. No. We have to be a paranoid bunch. Yeah. Moving on to something that's actually game related, rather than uh, things masquerading as game related. <laughs> we've kind of come to the obvious end of our discussion topics for this particular week, which means that we can move on to what I call the challenges. Oh, Woo-hoo. okay. Mm. Mm. So. Last week's challenge for me, because Chris isn't here unfortunately, uh, was to play a game from the genre which I liked the least, and to explain why uh, what what could be done about that particular genre and style of game that could uh, bring me more into the fold of what it's trying to do. And this is the sort of thing where I pass this challenge on points if you tally up at the end of the week, but I don't feel like I really stuck to the moral of what I was doing. So I selected uh, kind of mindless shoot, uh, run-and-gun run and shooters as my particular genre. Yep. Um, and I kind of went, well, if I want to do this, I have to go back to the granddaddy of these. I have to go and look at what id Software's producing. And the most recent thing they produced was the game Rage. And it was an appropriate name because I spent a couple of nights raging at it trying to get it to work. <laughs> I got it on Steam. For some reason, it doesn't like my graphics card. It just crashes on load on uh, on on boot up every single time. I have no idea what the problem is. I have not been able to trace it uh, through Google to anything, and that's where my expertise ends. So I kind of went well. If I'm going to play an id software game. Let's go back and play some of the grandfathers. Let's go back and play the original Doom because, hey, new Doom's coming out. Let's uh, let's go back and see what the first yeah. one was like because they claim they're going back to that style. So, I played Doom. Now, that wasn't where my that wasn't where my troubles ended because <laughs> I tried to play Doom on a Windows 8 PC. Oh. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! And I couldn't get DOSBox happy. <sighs> so. <laughs> I went okay. I'm gonna have to play. Clearly, I'm gonna have to play an emulated console yep. version. 
Do any of you know anything about Doom emulation on consoles? I've never nope. tried it, so no. <laughs> well, Doom was out on a number of yeah. consoles back in the day. It was out on the Super Nintendo. It was on uh, the Sega Genesis. It was on the Sega CD. Uh, and ironically, probably the best port of Doom to a console game was the Atari Jaguar. Okay. Oh, okay. Put your hands up if you've heard yes, of the Atari my Jaguar. My dad has an Atari Jaguar. <laughs> Never heard of it. The Atari Jaguar was an interesting beast. It came out uh, around the same time as the 16-bit consoles were going at it. Uh, it was initially going to be a 32-bit system called the Panther. Yeah. Um, but Atari kind of looked at it and went, "No, let's let's get an Atari. Like let's let's jump forward and." then we can kind of lord it over everyone else, like, do the math, we've got the 64-bit processor and you haven't. Um, the problem with it was, whilst technically it was powerful, it they made up the 64 from a whole bunch of random different processors and made it very hard to code anything with, um, which basically meant that you had to have very strangely built games, and many of the games weren't much more than what you'd expect from a 16-bit, uh, 16-bit console as a result. Um, so... I decided to play it on the Atari Jaguar because it has the best port to a home console of that generation mm-hmm. uh, in existence. So I got that working. It was a battle, but I got it working. I couldn't get a controller working with the emulator, <laughs> so I had to play it by keyboard. Oh. So at least it felt authentic, like a PC yeah. version would have been back in the day. Um, so I kind of liked it. Which immediately undercuts anything I say about trying to get it better so that it would appeal to me, because it did appeal to me. But it appealed to me in a nostalgic manner, and I felt that any criticism I had of the game was kind of invalid, because it was the kind of one of the earliest, after the Wolfensteins. It was very, very, it's very, very dated by modern standards, and any criticism that I've given has been given a million, that I could give has been given a million mm-hmm. times already. So... However, there is one last interesting thing I will say about it. What's the most distinctive and enjoyable thing about playing Doom? Killing lots of things. (laughs) Okay, okay. that is an appealing factor. (laughs) What I'm going to say is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is good. The soundtrack to Doom is excellent. The Atari Jaguar, when it wants to do depth perception-based stuff, has to use its mathematics processor. Guess which console decided to use its mathematics processor to make sound? (laughs) So the Atari Jaguar cannot play any music whilst in-game. So you're playing Doom with no music. (laughs) Okay. Where is the thrill in that? (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, so instead I went off and played uh, Duke Nukem 3D Atomic Edition. Which, again... There's no criticism I have that's valid. This is how I, I technically succeeded and I did play the games, but I failed in the spirit because I don't actually have any yeah. valid criticism to make. Um, the one thing I would say is that the they can evolve now to having, obviously, more story-based plots than what they had in the past. Yeah. And I'm obviously a big, big fan of story and gameplay combinations that work well together. So... Uh, I just want to. I just hope that the new Doom doesn't go for a bare kind of stripped down approach with no obvious story yeah. whatsoever. They just need to kind of keep up with the times in some respects. This is why you probably enjoyed it in the past or you were nostalgic about it, but now there's a bigger mark to hit. Uh, 
it's become an anachronism mm-hmm. really as that style of gameplay mm-hmm. so it needs to update yeah. itself i know many hardcore fans will clamor for it but they're not the people you need to sell to in order to make a profit yeah, exactly here. So maybe we have to go do something in the vein of what uh, kind of uh, the Wolfenstein titles I've had recently that have been well received. Uh, that might work quite well. Um, now we don't have Chris here, unfortunately, to talk about whatever Final Fantasy he chose to play. <laughs> Hopefully, ten two. So, Mike, two weeks ago, yeah. you uh, went off to play a game, uh, some sort of evil genius-based game, and the stipulation for that one was that it is a game that was released before the year 2000 and what modern games may have to learn from it. Um, yeah, I sort of semi-cheated because I found out it was released in 2004 and played it anyway. But the game is called, wait for it, Evil Genius. <laughs> uh, Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> it's... How can I explain? It's, um, it, it was a game that built on the the popular franchises of the late 90s, which were Dungeon Keeper 2, Dungeon Keeper, uh, Theme Hospital. You dig a dungeon, or a secret base in this in this uh, installment, and you populate it, and you research stuff, and have to fight away bad guys. But what Evil Genius did was take humour, and that entire game is based on taking the mickey out of James Bond films. You have your evil genius, which is either a very short, donkey-looking uh, psychopath or, uh, or somebody who's an obvious rip-off of the Mandarin, um, running around. You uh, you hide your secret base by building an infl- uh, a hotel over it, and you sort of get lots of tourists there and hide your, your evil base, which has like this massive metal door, which you have to be sort of semi-blind to this. Um, it was just, it is a, it's a, it's a pretty good game, and I think something that's maybe a bit lacking in games recently is that games have become very serious. Everything has gone in for immersion and reality, immersion and reality. So, you know, I mean, where the games are very good, and I can't complain about them, it's all, this is a serious storyline. This has now become an adult game. There's relationships and there's uh, death and gore and grime and people die and main characters die. We've sort of missed... I think they've missed the niche of having a comedy game. A good game, so the game isn't crap, the graphics aren't well for the time. Rubbish. The, The gameplay is very good. It's enjoyable to play, but it is funny. The whole game is funny. So having a comedic style game that is taken seriously as a as a full package alongside the humor based elements. Yeah. I mean, the whole base of the game is funny. I mean, you win the game. It's easy to win, to be fair, after you play it for a little bit. But I suppose just date of it, you win by having one of these few doomsday weapons. One of them removes gravity from Earth so everybody floats up and they will declare you <laughs> world leader. It, it's just funny. <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. So you succeeded in your challenge, even if it was from 2004. Yeah. That's still 11 years ago, quite frankly. So I'm, I'm going to give you a pass on that one. Um, so, Rob, you haven't received any challenges yet because you've not been on the no. show yet. I'm thinking, what challenge am I going to lay down for this particular week? Rob has to write a 10,000 word essay 
on how Konami is the greatest uh, publisher ever. It would just be fuck Konami every line. <laughs> That'd be good though, because you just like hit copy and paste like five hundred times, and then, oh, sorry, five thousand times, and then done. You're done. Print that off, and then there we go. There's the essay done. Yeah. Handwritten. Handwritten. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm thinking this week is we spoke briefly about Kickstarters beforehand. Mm -hmm. I think that this week we should broaden our horizons as to what Kickstarter has churned out. So <laughs> I want you to take. I want you to take a game from that Kickstarter has funded yeah. recently, play it, and describe how it holds up compared with the original premise that was sold. The game was sold. Also, oh, what the original manifesto I could say would be. Yeah. Yeah, like what the trailer was. Okay. <laughs> can it be any game? Yeah, it can be any game that Kickstarter has done. Um, it can be a good game. I mean, there have been good yeah, games. Yeah, there has been, been good games. So I don't think it'll be yeah. a, a painful experience. Mate. I mean, I've already, I, I already know what I'm going to do for this because I got the game Broken Age when mm -hmm. it came out. I played the first half of Broken Age and I really, really enjoyed it. I have not played the second half since it came out, so the second half is going to be for me to see how it holds up compared with the vision in the first half. Okay, well, I think that's a, a decent challenge. Should be able to get my teeth into that. I, I think I'll actually just pick a really shit game just. <laughs> just because it'll be a little bit more interesting to talk about well that way we well you're going to have to play well, it well, well I'm going to have to play it but you know I've played some really terrible games in the past so it's not it's not an issue for me so we'll see how it goes um, Mike do you have any ideas um, at the moment what you might not talk really, about no okay well if, if you uh, if you let me know before we go on to the next record then we um, we can have a bit more of a talk about that yep. apart from that has anyone been playing anything interesting these last uh, this last week or two? I've been playing quite a bit of Dragon Age Inquisition, sort of an anticipation of The Witcher, but that's about it. Uh, I've been doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, I meant, meant to mention, there's uh, new games being released this, um, well, this week, to be honest, and uh, it's one of the games... Is it The Witcher 3? No. <laughs> and it's uh, one of the games I've got on my wish list on Steam, which is called Galactic Civilizations 3, so potentially that might be another game that I have a look at mm -hmm. this week. Okay, Mike, so Galactic Civilizations 3, I'm not aware of Galactic Civilizations 1 or 2, so explain to me the basic premise of the game. If well, you could. Galactic Civilizations 3, the, it is a sandbox game. It's literally... Haven't heard that in a yeah. while. It's uh, it's it's a take on civilization, the game Sid Meier's Civilization, but in space. So okay, you can say that's not not new, but uh, it promises promises to be a game that involves trade, customization, politics, and war, and that you can actually fight with ships in space. Oh wow! So. Uh does it mean fight as in uh, a kind of more tactical fight, yeah. or does it mean along the lines of an e uh, an EVE Online or a Star Citizen? More tactical fights, I think. Hmm. But we'll, I mean, you're supposed to be able to directly upgrade your capital ships and things like that. How it's going to pan out, I don't know. But it's something I might have a look at. Maybe when it's no longer 30 quid on Steam. <laughs> I do find myself these days of looking at things just going, no, I'll wait for that when it's £5, <laughs> please. 
Yeah, that, that sort of mentality now where we know there's going to be a sale one day. We might as well just wait for it. Summer sales Summer coming. Summer sales coming. Yeah. <laughs> All hail Gaiman. All hail the great <laughs> So, last thing before we go, Rob, have you been playing anything interesting or have you been working overtime these last few weeks? Well, aside from working overtime, I've been playing a few games, actually. Uh, I played a little bit of Crusader Kings 2, as you do. Uh, oh, oh, excellent. Um, I think you're in the right crowd here. <laughs> Looking at my, uh, you played 1300 hours on Crusader Kings 2. I think you're the only person I know who has more hours in Crusader Kings 2 than I do. That's quite... 980. So, a little bit of Crusader Kings 2. Uh, I've been playing... So, how, ma- how many relatives have you murdered yet, Rob? Quite, quite... In the game. Quite in the game. In the game. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to tell you outside the game, because, you know, I might get arrested. Uh... Quite a lot. I tend to try and make sure I only ever have one heir because I usually tend to play gavel kind, uh, which tends okay. to wreck up my kingdom. But I've been playing as the pagans, so I I like concubines. They're, they're the best thing ever. I'm very proud of this young one. <laughs> <laughs> These are exactly the attitudes that Crusader Kings do encourage. <laughs> my 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 most favourite family ever was when I had a lovely large family of kids. But the daughter of the King of France became available, married her, had a son, killed her brothers, <laughs> killed her, killed her father, the son became king, killed my son, I became king. <laughs> I, I always seem Score. to get the, uh, the, the, the the devil event where you become like Lucifer, essentially. Oh, the possessed, the possessed event. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, no, please, not this event. <laughs> I like to turn into like the most unholy kingdom ever. Like I put that person on the throne and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, kingdom of Satan on Earth. Um, now I've had all sorts of ones. The current one, which I'm playing through, uh, my 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 uh, what do you call it? My the Duke I'm playing. I'm playing as the Duke of Champagne, mm-hmm. and uh, Champagne. I, I, however it's pronounced, <laughs> Champagne Charles. Yeah, I didn't know if it was. Uh, I didn't know if it was actually the name of the thing or if it was a different pronunciation for the region. But uh, the um... why the hell did I say that? Because that's a Futurama <laughs> joke I could have done my tricks with. Champagne. Champagne. That's why I said it. That's why I said it. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, Duke of Champagne, I basically had this problem of, well, the current ruler is 23 years old and doesn't like me very much. How about I have him assassinate and have his younger brother, who's seven, become king? <laughs> oh, look, I'm chancellor. That means I'm regent, suddenly. Uh, hey, look, he's got a young, he got an older sister. What if I marry her, the older sister and then create the next in line and then have this kid declared insane along the way? So, yeah, this kid has been is now 22 and has been declared incapable, so I'm regent for life. Uh, and the next area is going to be the spawn of my life. Nice. So... It's going a pleasant Crusader Kings uh, way. But as always with Crusader Kings 2, it, it, it never ends well sometimes for you. Uh... <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it ends. I've beaten the Holy Roman Empire in two wars. I'm doing okay, thanks. <laughs> and then well, one death, and it's all over. Yeah. Have I ever told you when I accidentally became Holy Roman Emperor? Accidentally. I accidentally <laughs> became the Roman Emperor. <laughs> See, the best I've done is accidentally become King of France. So you've beaten me there. Yeah, I mean, I was happily being Duke of Tuscany, trying to get out a nice large duchy to invade the Holy Land and actually set up the Kingdom of Jerusalem. I, I marry one of my 
brothers off to to the Italian princess. This is the Norman start day. Yeah. She manages to become queen of Italy. Fair enough. My dynasty becomes the royal dynasty of Italy. Fine. One of my other uh, sons later on gets married to a princess from Germany. Fine. I find I have a claim for G Germany. Ignore it. I'm not uninterested. My, f my family, mem my relative who's king, decides to press my claim. I find myself king of Germany and most of the Italian kingdom. <laughs> he realizes that he's made a mistake, and now most of Italy is under my control. Declares war with me. I win. I become king of Italy and Germany. <laughs> oh well, might as well become Holy Roman Emperor. <laughs> I often find as when I'm playing in the, the Holy Roman Empire, I'm fighting desperately not to be elected as Holy Roman Emperor. Holy Roman Emperor. Because I, I actually like the more scheming backstabbing of being a king mm -hmm. underneath yeah. an emperor. I'm just deliberately doing stuff to mess with him and make him as weak and powerless as possible. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, I, I love Paradox and I'm really looking forward to Hearts of Iron 4. Hmm. Maybe Hearts of Iron 4 will be at E3? No, they've... I sincerely yeah. doubt it. No, no, it. they've just released a statement a couple of days ago saying Hearts of Iron 4 will not be released in the second quarter of 2015. It's likely to be released against the end of 2015. Oh, well, they, they spend the time on it that they need, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah. Even if uh, we would like to see it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I played uh, Hearts of Iron Free, a game of Hearts of Iron Free where Joseph Stalin got fired by his, pre his president? <laughs> no. That was an interesting game. <laughs> that's the only thing I... That's the only anecdote I have for the game. <laughs> So. The, the the best anecdotes I find for Hearts of Iron 3 are just describing the basics of yeah. the game to people. So. Well, I think it takes a very special person to like Paradox games. It's not for everyone, yeah. is it? No, yeah. it's really not. They have a slightly dubious uh, reputation as a publisher rather than a developer as well, we have to say. But let's, let's keep uh, positive now that we've come to the end of the podcast. Yeah. So... Uh, so, thank you again for listening. This has been State of Play. I'm Charles. I'm Mike. And I'm Rob. And uh, we'll be seeing you next week. Hopefully Chris won't uh, have gotten lost on his attempt to reach the studio. <laughs> studio is in bedroom. bedroom. <laughs> Kitchen. Yeah. Where is my bedroom? <laughs> it has moved. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a good stopping <laughs> point. <laughs> so we stopped at the kitchen. Yes, we should probably stop. <laughs> yes. So thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.